0: Praise the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, a name that's above every name, a name that brings healing and restoration. Amen. Amen. I greet you this morning, not only you who are in the building, but I greet our congregation that's online. I want to say thank you for joining us and God bless you for being here this morning. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning on a subject, He Knows Our Name. Say that with me. He knows our name. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, that we're just here for a fresh manner, for a fresh rain or down of more of your presence on us. We ask God that you bless this time and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. We all have something in common. And the one thing we all have in common is that we all of us, all of us have a name. We all have a name. And some of us got our name from our parents, you know, our grandparents. Some of us got a name from a favorite aunt or a favorite uncle, but we all have a name. How many of you have a friend or friends that have the same name? I got three friends that have the same name. Their name is Elizabeth, okay? And the way I found a way to identify them, to distinguish them, I call one Lizzie or Liz, I call one Beth, and I call one Lib. That's how I identify them. You see, knowing a person's name helps them to feel known. It helps them to feel understood and valued. But sometimes as much as we love that person and that family member, guess what? We forget their names. We don't mean to, it just happens. And we live in a world system that everybody doesn't know our name. And it doesn't matter how much money you give them, they don't know our name. For instance, the wireless companies they don't know our name, they just know our number. The mail carrier, they don't know our name, they just know our address and a zip code. The social security office, you call down there and ask them say, I want you to look up some information on John Doe. They're gonna go, who? You gotta give them a social security number. Department of Motor Vehicles, they got thousands of people with the same name. So they give us a number after we pass the test but I want to give you a comforting thought this morning. It doesn't matter how many of you have the same name. We have a God in heaven that knows our name. He knows our name, he knows our address, and he knows the number of hairs on our head. God knows our name. And though we have a name, sometimes we feel like life beats us up and we can feel overlooked, we can feel mistreated, and we can feel forgotten, and sometimes we feel worthless. And the physical problems, and the emotional problems, and the marital problems, and the children problems, and the family problems, sometimes it can be just overwhelming that we get lost. And we don't always know what to do. And we wrestle with, how can I fix this situation when in actuality It's out of our hands. It's out of the hands of children when parents get hooked on drugs. It's out of their hands. It's out of the hands when your spouse loses the money because of a bad business deal. It's out of your hands. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves and we say to ourselves, because I know I've said it, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want this. And although we all know that we're going to face challenging times, we're going to have to walk through challenging times, and that our born-again experience does not mean that God is going to take our troubles away. Actually, there is no biblical basis for such a thought. But we have some good news this morning. And the good news is that we can hold on to is that God will not allow those situations to overtake us. This month is Women History Month, and I got a story that I want to tell you about. I've discovered a story here that we can all relate to on some level. I want to talk to you about a powerful story of a woman who was despised, mistreated, abandoned. And many of the decisions that was made on her behalf, she didn't sign up for. And yet God meets her in the midst of her trials and makes provisions for. Her story is caught up between the patriarch Abraham and the matriarch Sarah. This story of a servant girl named Hagar. Her story is often overlooked. Her story is not like Ruth, it's not like Esther. Haggai's story is messy and it's complicated. Now, before we get started with this story, I want to tell you that Abram and Sarah's names have not been changed, but their names will be changed later. I'm I'm going to start with Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to read the first three verses. Now, I've asked them to put it up in the NIV, but I've looked at this in many translations, so if if my reading does not match theirs, don't be alarmed. The content is still the same. The Scripture says that, Sarah and Abram had no children. So Sarah took her maid, an Egyptian girl named Hagar, and gave her to Abram to be his second wife. Since the Lord has not given me children, Sarah said, you may sleep with my servant girl and her children shall be mine. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years. Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, I know, we know that there are people who sleep with other people's spouses without permission. We know that. But I want to ask you later this morning, how many of you will give another woman permission to sleep with your husband? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. God gave a promise to Abram and Sarah and they, that they would have children. He promised that they would be the father of many nations. But God's promise had not come to pass yet. And some of you can relate to this. Some of you can relate to what Sarah was feeling. Perhaps the Lord has told you you're going to have something, and it hasn't happened yet. And you've been praying and praying and praying, and it hasn't happened yet. Maybe you have a desire to be married, and it hasn't happened yet. And you say, God knows my desire. You read the scripture. The Bible says the Lord will give us the desires of our hearts. But it hasn't happened yet. Your desire could be for children. And it hasn't happened yet. You've been praying and praying. And it hasn't happened yet. And you fear that. Am I going to be standing in the social security line with a baby buggy? Because it hasn't happened yet. See, we, we map out our lives. But life doesn't always happen The way we plan. And so Sarah decided to take matters in her own hand and help God out. They were aging. Abram was 80 plus years old and Sarah was in her 70s and they didn't have any children. And in the natural Sarah had every reason to believe that she wouldn't have any children. So she comes up with her own plan. But you see, Sarah doesn't realize the repercussions of her plan, the decisions that she makes and how it's gonna impact her family. She hasn't come to that realization yet. She's Sarah's only concern is implementing a plan to have children. And Hagar is gonna be the person that she uses. I'm gonna give you a little background on Hagar. Hagar, before she became Before she was in the household of Abram and Sarah, she was a princess in Egypt. And she was given as a gift to Abram and Sarah because of a trespass or something that had happened between Abram and the king. So now she's in their household, Hagar is a servant. She cleans the house, she makes the beds, she cooks the meals and does whatever her mistress tells her to do. Sarah doesn't see Hagar. She only sees her as a person who takes care of her needs. The scripture gives her a name. The scripture gives Hagar a name, but Sarah never calls her name. To Sarah, Hagar is a nameless, voiceless employee. Sarah tells the maid to go to the room with her husband, And she makes the request as if this was another household chore. Of course, Hagar obeys Sarah and sleeps with her husband. She's now pregnant. And the scripture says that Hagar treats Sarah with contempt. That means she's angry with her. And you got two women in the house. Oh yeah, two women in the house. One of them has what the other one wants. Oh, my goodness. Sarah thinks that Hagar is going to continue to be the maid, and Sarah and Hagar is carrying the heir of the family. Things have changed. Hagar is strutting around there, showing that she's pregnant and Sarah isn't. And Sarah resents Hagar. You see, Sarah worked her plan, but her plan didn't work out. And in all of this, guess who Sarah blames? She blames Abram, her husband. When in actuality, both of them are at fault. Why? Because Abram knew God's plan and he just complied with his wife. You you want me to sleep with Hagar? Okay. She gave... Sarah gave Hagar to Abram. And now it's a big problem. So guess what? Abram wants to give her back to Sarah. So now she's angry and tells Abram it's his fault, and she's going to give and, she, and he's giving her back the problem. He says, "Look, Hagar's not my maid. She's your maid. You take her, you can do whatever you want to do with her." And they're passing her back and forth as if she's an object. Sarah retaliates by mistreating Hagar, and she humiliates her, and Hagar runs away, runs out to the desert. Now here's the picture. Hagar is a lonely woman. She's a slave. She's a foreigner. She's been persecuted and humiliated by her mistress. She has no money no transportation, no job, no home, and she's pregnant by a married man, and she's gonna be a single mother. That's her story. This is a mess. This is definitely not God's plan. You see, when boundaries are crossed, chaos is born. Now here we have Hagar who's in the desert, and she knows that she's gonna die if she doesn't get help. But the God in heaven, he sees all the events. And God sends an angel. And the angel of the Lord found her in the wilderness by a spring of water headed back to Egypt. And the angel of the Lord says to her, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where did you come from and where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from my mistress. And the angel of the Lord says to her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. And he tells her, look, you're going to be a mother of a great nation. You're with child. You're going to have a son. His name is going to be Ishmael because God hears. Today, God has heard your petition, and he's paid attention to your persecution. God saw Hagar. God gave her a voice. And here is a person in the desert, lonely and in despair, and the God of the universe opens the windows of heaven and comes to her rescue. Hagar was so amazed that the Lord saw her that she gave God a name. She called him God Elroy. Elroy, the God who sees me. For I have seen the Lord and I am still alive. You see, that same God that made the universe, the galaxy, the stars, and the planet knew her name. He knows our name. And there will be times when we experience some moments of difficulties. We're going to experience some hardships and some weaknesses. And then we can call these, describe these times as times that we're passing through the waters or we're going through the fire. And you may be depressed, and maybe you've been depressed all week. But I want to tell you, you may feel like nobody sees you. You may think that nobody sees you on your job and nobody sees you at home, but I want to tell you this morning don't be discouraged. Don't think about taking a long walk off a short plank. Don't do it. Don't fear. Don't think that God doesn't see you because God has a word for you this morning. He says, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, they won't won't sweep over you. I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. The flames won't set you ablaze. Because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. You see, we can take comfort in the fact that God knows our name. We can take comfort in the fact that God sees us. We can take comfort in the fact that we are his. And God says, even though your mother might forsake you, even though your mother might forget you, I won't. I will not forget you because I know your name. I see you. He says, I have written your name down in the palm of my hand. You are mine. You are mine. Sarah never sees Hagar, and she never calls her by name. But God saw her and knew her name. But that's not the end of Hagar's story. The Bible says that the Lord came and changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarah's name to Sarah. And the Lord tells them. he comes back and visits them and tells them one more time, look, you're gonna have, in one year you're gonna have a son and his name is gonna be Isaac. And Sarah becomes pregnant And she bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time that the Lord said it was going to happen. Sarah, Ava's wife, the scripture says, gave birth to a son, and he named him Isaac. And Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Isaac grew, and they held a big feast. Now, the story picks up um, with Hagar in Genesis chapter 21. It says, One day, Sarah noticed Hagar's son, Ishmael, playing. And he says to Abram, Get rid of that Egyptian slave. Get rid of that Egyptian slave woman and her son. I don't want them to inherit anything. It should all go to Isaac. And the Bible says that Abraham was torn and was worried about Ishmael. But God came to him and said, Abraham, don't worry about that slave woman and that boy. Just do what Sarah tells you. Isaac will inherit the family's name, but the son of the slave woman is also your son. And I will make him descendants of great nations. Early the next morning, Abram gives gives Hagar and Ishmael food, skins of water and food. They put them on their shoulders and they give them provisions and sends them off. You got to go. And they wander around in the desert. And after a while, the food runs out. After a while, the water runs out. They don't have anything to eat, and they don't have anything to drink. The child is hungry. The child is tired. The child is thirsty. He's crying, because that's what children do when they get tired and hungry and thirsty. They cry. And so Hagar didn't know what to do, but she puts Ishmael under a little tree to get him out the sun. And then she takes a few steps away from him and she starts to cry because that's what a mother do when they can't provide for their children. And she begins to cry and weep and sob and she says, I can't watch my child die. I can't watch him die. And how many of you know that we serve an on-time God? Yeah. We serve an on-time God. God. The Bible says that the God in heaven heard that boy crying. And an angel of the Lord said to her, an angel of the God came to her and said, What's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. I have heard your boy crying. The angel says, Take him up by the hand. Help him up. Because I'm going to make him a father of many nations. And then the Lord begins to open her eyes and she's able to see a spring of water over there on the side and she fills the water skins of water and gives the child some water. And the Bible says that God was with Ishmael as he grew. God is an on-time God. Every time, God is an on-time God. In this story, we can learn a few things. While it is God's intention for children to be raised by both the mother and the father, he also has compassion on a parent who's raising a child on his or her own. Every child born, God has a plan for their life. Every child born, God has a plan for their life. And sometimes the only thing we can see is the problem. But God can step in and make a promise out of a problem. Hagar was broken. She was abandoned. She was sent away by the child's father. And yet God told a single mother, he says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And he did just that. Ishmael had 12 sons and he lived to be 137 years old. You see, God can change and turn any situation around. Yeah. And another thing that we can learn is sometimes God will send us back to the places of discomfort because it's in those places of discomfort that we can grow. And sometimes it's in those places of discomfort that God lets us know that He sees us. He sees us when we're on the job. He sees us when we're eating lunch alone. God sees us when we're standing in the shower crying because of our moments of despair. God sees us and he knows our name. God sees us in the midnight hour when we have our head on the pillow filled with tears. God sees us and he knows our name. God sees us when we have our panic attacks. God sees us when we're struggling, when we're dealing with family problems. God sees us. And he says to us, I'm a present help in time of trouble. And sometimes we can make mistakes and we can beat ourselves up for years. But I want to give you some good news. God can pour a spirit of grace over a mess. I had a friend that was a friend of mine and she had a daughter that she sent to college. And while the daughter was in college, she became, she got pregnant and the parents were livid. They were not happy at all. And they wanted to get rid of the baby. But after much conversation, they changed their mind and and decided they was gonna allow their daughter to have the baby. The baby grew, became, got to be about five years old. You know, like most grandparents, they love their grandchildren. One day, their only daughter, was in a car accident, and she was killed. They couldn't get her back. But that granddaughter, their granddaughter, reminded them so much of their daughter that God took the loss of that daughter and filled it with the love of the grandchild. Hallelujah. And they were so happy that they had made that decision to keep the child. The other lessons we can learn from this is that God loves the rejected. God loves the outcast. God loves the forgotten. See, some of you may not have experienced outcast, forgotten, and rejection. But God loves them. Because we can sometimes, we can live and have a heart of contempt for other people. Sometimes we can look at people and have attitudes that express that we think they're a waste. And we can see them, and yet we don't see them because we don't want to be bothered. We've had people in our lives, and we've poured resources into them, and we feel like we've wasted our time and our money on that person. And we don't want to be bothered with them. And we may have had enough. I've had enough. I've done all I can do. But God says, I see them, and I know their name. He says, I will come to their rescue. He sees the forgotten, and he will fellowship with them. He sees the broken, and he's ready to heal them. God sees you. God sees me. And in all of our time, we have had some type of Hagar experience in our lives, and we, our lives have been less than perfect. We've been caught up in mess. And we wandered around in desert places. And sometimes we've had to shed some tears about the decisions that we've made. And maybe we feel like we've been a victim, a victim of abuse, or maybe we're being haunted by the spirits of rejection. But I want to tell you this morning that in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our pain, we have a promise from Jehovah El Roya, the God who sees us, The God that knows our name. The God that says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. The God that says, I will answer when you call on me. The Lord says, call me Jehovah Jireh, because I'll provide for you. The Lord says, call me Jehovah Shalom, because I'll be your peace in the midst of your storms. He says, call me the bread of life because I'll feed your soul. He says, call me the shepherd because I'll lead you. He says, call me the great physician because I can heal you. This morning, I call him my prince of peace because he takes away my worries. I call him my balm in Gilead because he brings healing to me. I call him my lily of the valley, my rose of Sharon because he takes my message and brings beauty to him. I call him... My bright and morning star. Because when I stray away, he brings back on the path. That's what I call him. Because God comes to my rescue. I don't know about you this morning, but I serve a God that when I'm surrounded by the foul and the waters feel like they're going to sweep over me, I serve a God that has an everlasting love. And he comes to my rescue. And for that, I'm so grateful. And I just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We serve a God That has an everlasting love for us I'm going to wrap this up I'm going to ask the praise team to come I want to ask you a question this morning God knows our name he does he knows our name But this morning, do you know his name? Have you made a decision to get to know him? Have you made a decision to get to know Jesus? He wants to call you a name. He wants you to call him a name. He wants you to call him savior. He wants you to say, look, Lord, come be my redeemer. Come change my life. That's what he wants. Is your name, I want to ask you a question this morning. Is your name written down in glory? Is your name written down in glory? You say, what does that mean? You see, God has a name, a book. He has a book of names. And he keeps, keeps, in this book, he keeps a list of names. Is your name in that book? It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. You have an opportunity today. If, you don't, if you're not sure, if you don't know if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. You can have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to ask Pastor Larry to come up. And this morning... If your name is not written in the book of life, you have an opportunity to make that happen. I want you to come up and give Pastor Larry your hand and give God your heart. And say, I just just want my name written where, where I can... I just want my name written in glory. I just want my name written in glory. And that's how you get it. It's just that simple. It's called a step of faith. Come out. Come out of your seat. Say... I want to do something about this. I want to change this. I want to change this. See, because if your names are not written in glory, your name is going to be written in hell. That's not a scare tactic. That's just the truth. So won't you come this morning? Won't you come? God knows your name. Do you know his name? Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Let's everyone stand. If you're here this morning and Sister Antoinette talked about the brokenness, there's a God that loves you. I don't think we hear that enough. We, we know that, that judgment's coming. We know there's conviction. We know there's, you know, there's going to be wages, there's wages for our sin, but we serve a God who loves us. And so if everyone would bow your head for just a moment, if you're here this morning and you don't know that your name is written in the book of life, you've never repented of your sin and put your trust in Christ, this altar's open. If there's brokenness in your life, this altar's open. Someone will come down and pray with you. We'll only wait for just a moment. If you'd like to come and kneel in this altar, someone will meet you here and pray with you. So as the praise team begins to sing, I'm going to ask all that will, if you don't mind, let's come and gather around the altar and praise and worship the Lord for a few minutes. And then I'll ask you about your individual needs. Maybe there's something you do want someone to gather with you as we praise and worship. But the team sets the tone of worship. We're going to worship for a few minutes. And then we'll ask about individual needs. Never know true peace until you feel the God of heaven say that you're his some of you have experienced that to know that you have the peace and the comfort of knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit rests in you through Jesus Christ if you don't know that this morning before you leave this altar because we're going to continue to pray and worship make sure you get hold to someone and say I need to talk to somebody things aren't quite right in my spirit maybe you won't comfortable coming forward But there's people here around this altar that will pray with you, that will join with you and seek the face of God.